0: listening to the Manchester Vineyard podcast we'd love for you to join us to discover more about who we are where we meet and how you can connect with us head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description well good good morning if if you're joining us for the first time this morning I'm I've started a series that we're calling invitation and this this is the third week of it let me just give you a quick snapshot the first week was an invitation to, to commitment, to commit to your relationship with Jesus, to Christ, his church, and, and to his cause. Last week was um, considering the invitation to share Jesus with others, to share Jesus with anyone and everyone, people we have known for a time, people we work with, people we just randomly bump into. And really the invitation was to be kind, to be present, and to be brave. In our relationships with others. And if you missed any of them, I'd encourage you to catch up online because we speak in series. Y- you could take this as a standalone, but equally this what we speak on today will make more sense in the context of, of the previous weeks. And this week I, I just want to continue to speak within this series on invitation, and I want to speak about worship. You are invited to be a worshiper. And before I launch in, I just want to tell you a quick story we may need to cut this bit from the online bit worship changes everything and I want to invite us into the fullness of worship this morning worship is so precious to us it's precious to Steph and I I would say personally it's been the primary environment through which we've been shaped healed freed and restored it's precious to us as a church is precious to us as a movement to the vineyard. Intimacy with the Father through sung worship is so precious. Worship is an absolute non-negotiable Trinitarian priority. It's about giving and receiving the love of the Father. It honors and it's a tangible expression of, to the value of Jesus and his headship over the church. And it anticipates his headship one day over all things. An interpretation of of Psalm 22, verse 3, that I love, talks about uh, as we worship, we build his throne. As we worship, we are establishing and building the throne of God. He takes his rightful place among us. He cleanses sin from us. He heals us of sickness. He drives out demons. He defeats the enemy as we worship. And Jesus does that through and by his spirit. Through worship, the role of the Holy Spirit is, is respected, it's received, and it's released in the church and through the church then to the world. So therefore, I think we could come up with a number of words that might help us understand worship. What is worship? Well, I, I would describe it in, in the following ways. It should be regular. It should be real. It should be non-religious. It should be relevant. It should be contemporary. It should be quite simple, Actually, it should be almost love song orientated, just an honest, free, warm, personal, tender, non-hyped, non-manipulative expression. And, and I guess, above all of that, something that is sincere, something that is, is, is really quite intimate. So when I say it's precious to us, I guess I mean all of those things within that forming it. To be precious. And I think I could go on and on and on and on, but I guess really the key is that it is a lo- simple, simple love song to Jesus. It's not complicated, it's not sophisticated, and the fruit of our worship in settings like this and in settings like small groups should naturally lead us to a lifestyle of godly obedience and service. Because worship, and the more we worship, the more we want to please. The Father, the more we experience worship, the more we see worship not just as a something, but as an overflow, as a lifestyle. Worship changes us. We cannot encounter God's presence in worship and not be transformed. And so, as we look at worship and the invitation further into it this morning, I, I just want to look at three quick points. Now, I love to try and come up with points that start with the same letter, none of these do. I love to try and come up with points that kind of make sense and point you in a direction. None of these do. So I'll just share them because for those of you that are clock watching, at least then you'll know roughly when I'm coming into land. But the, the first one is 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 not about you, it's about him. The the second one is Monday affects the Sunday. And the third one, which is really going to confuse you, is it's like loading the dishwasher. Okay, so now if you're thinking, well, none of that makes sense, no, it doesn't, but hopefully we'll explain it a little bit more. So the, the first one is it's not about you, it's about him. I really think we have to fight for this. We've got to fight for this to be true because so often our natural lean is, is to try and get something for ourselves, not just when it comes to worship, but we could say that of life in general. But worship isn't for us worship is for him. It pleases him and it blesses him. But how many times would or could you say, I know I definitely would, you could walk into somewhere like here and you could go, oh not that one. Oh no, why does it have to be them leading? I know offence or disrespect meant to the band this morning but it could be like, oh that one just didn't hang together, did it? Really? Oh, come on. Like, let's get to the sweets and I'll chat with a few people I know. Or, or, like, literally, that one is my favorite. Why do we have to move on so fast? Why did you kind of play a wrong note? Or, I've, I've, do we really have to sing? Like, really? Is that really what we want to do, come together, mass karaoke? Like. It's raining. Oh, someone's left the car window open. Oh, hang on. My mate's just text me. And while I'm there, I'll just check Facebook. Or, oh, why did I come this morning? I could have been catching up on the bake-off. You know, the, the only one out of that lot that I could guarantee you I've never done is the bake-off one. I'm sure some of you will love it, but that's not my thing. But worship just often isn't our priority because it becomes about us and what we can get out of it. Did it meet my need? Was it the thing that I needed? Maybe, well, I, can't, I might be late for worship, really, because we did it last week, and do you know what? I think they'll do it again next week. So, hey, why not be late? But I guess here's the thing I wanted to say, is worship isn't about us. It's not for us, it's for him. But, but also the complete opposite of all the examples I've used of being critical. It could be the other way. It could be, oh, that was good. That, m- oh, man, they were on it. I was on it. Did you hear me singing that one out? I was belting that one out. I loved it. Like, come on, that was good worship. You know, I've often wondered, sometimes just walking out of the building, I'm like, I loved it. But what did the Lord think? How is that for him? I, I might honor him with, with my lips, but where's my heart? Is my heart far from him? I might just get to the end of the road and somebody cuts me up and I'm frustrated. I'm irritated. I'm grumpy. I could be short with the kids on the way home. That's my worship. That's my worship offering. And because all of it is for him. All of life his worship for him. I've often found that you have to come to worship with an intention and an intention and a focus and a willingness to be vulnerable. You have to let go of being self-conscious. You have to forget about the person next to you. And whilst I say that, I don't mean that to the detriment of the person next to you because it's not about you. It's not whether or not you can outsing them. Have you ever found yourself in that, I'm trying to outsing them? Moment, Or you're waving your arms about and washing them in the face. I I, I think we've got to be aware of the people around us in a way that we don't distract them, but forget about them enough that we're focused on Jesus, that we're not consumed by the wider stuff of life, the ups and downs, our feelings, and actually that we give ourselves fully to God through the attitude of our hearts, through our bodies and through the songs that have been chosen. Our values as a church is to really try and take all of the pressure off that. For me, the the first week I walked in to a vineyard church, I literally, I feel like the best way I could describe it is I just drank it up, I needed it. And I found a longing for it instantly. But we're we're free to go at our own pace. That may not be the case for all of you. Some, Some of you almost just need to watch it for a while. Others. May just you almost just want to sit and sit. Some of you may want to sit, and you'll find yourself just weeping as you're healed in the process. For for some actually to come into an environment like this in this style and this context would it just be too loud? It'd be too contemporary to to even be here. Now that's okay. I would say if ever there was a rule. If we were to create a role, it would just be the way that we individually worship isn't meant to draw unnecessary attention to yourself or to interfere with others because it's not about us, it's about Him. But I want to invite us to the throne room. I I long for us to consider what it is to worship Him and to come into the throne room, to move the focus from ourselves and move it on to Him. We, We worship... Jesus really with nothing but a sense and a longing for a deeper calling into relationship with him. We, we, we can't just sing about him. We actually have to worship him. We don't just worship God in order to get blessed. We're blessed when we worship him because he visits his people with manifestations of the spirit. As that psalm says, he builds his throne among us, We lift him up and we exalt him and as a result are drawn into his presence where he so graciously speaks to us. This, this is so precious because when the church comes together to worship like we, we did just a few minutes ago, the manifest presence of God is magnified and multiplied. You know, just over the last few weeks since we came back after the summer break, some, some of you, just in passing as we've left, have said to me, oh, that was so refreshing. That I, I, You know, stuff like I could just sense the presence of God. or Oh, that was such a, I felt like this thing, I can't quite explain it. It's almost like a, an intimacy. I, I love that because when we worship him, he meets with us. His presence changes us. But ultimately, whether we feel anything or not, I love it because it's for him, and it blesses him. It's not for me. It's not for my benefit. It just so happens he's such a kind, loving, gracious father that we can be so blessed through the process. His visitation really is a byproduct of worship. We don't worship in order to gain his presence. He is worthy to be worshipped, whether he visits us or not, whether we feel it or not, whether we like the song or not but we should come expectant to worship. We should come prepared for an audience with a king. I'll be honest, that's not always how I come. But it's the realization, the reflection, and the moment to consider. I'm I'm coming into the throne room to spend time with my king. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, we're told many of you will be familiar that he had a fawn in his side. Exactly what that fawn was, we don't know. But it's clearly a hindrance to him clearly a burden and a hardship to him, and he prayed three times for it to be taken away. It says this, Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults, hardship, persecution, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, three times Paul prayed for healing and he didn't receive it. He received, however, many other things, things that actually you could say are far greater because he received a greater grace from God, a strengthening and a stronger character, a humility and an ability to emphasize with others. Although God didn't remove the affliction from him, he promised to demonstrate his power Paul, The fact that God's power is displayed in weakness should give us remarkable courage and hope. Because as we recognize our limitations, we depend more on God for our effectiveness rather than on ourselves, rather than on our own energy, our own effort, or our own talent. Our limitations not only help develop a Christ-like, a Jesus-like character, but they also deepen our worship because we come to realize and understand this isn't about us, this is about Him. And we admit that to Him, and we affirm and we reaffirm His strength that can be displayed through us. When we're strong in our abilities, when we're strong in our resources, we're tempted to do God's work for Him, and that leads to pride. But when we're weak, we allow and we ask and we long and we're desperate and we're hungry for God to fill us with His power then we're strong, and we're stronger than we ever would be on our own. Because really, it's not about us. It's really not about us, it's about Him. The the, the second reflection I wanted to share is that Monday affects Sunday. Worship isn't just singing. If we saw it that way, this would be quite a short-sighted way to say it and for us to reflect on it. God gave us music, I I believe he embeds it in our souls. The psalmist often refers to that. It's a a way of expressing worship to him, but actually it's so much more. It's so much more than a musical song thing. It's it's a lifestyle, it's everything. If we don't worship God, we do worship something. All of of us do, with our time, with our energy, with our affection, with our resources. Our, Our focus is just constantly willing and almost wanting to be grabbed by something else. I read this week, some of you will have seen it, it was in the news, that um, three quarters of 15, sorry, three quarters of five to 15 year olds in the UK, that is a lot of people, when you think about it. I couldn't give you a number, but three quarters of them, that is a lot of people. They regularly play online gaming. I've I've never really done it, if I'm honest, I've not had time for it. I've, I was like, "What? that is a lot of people playing online gaming. I'm, I'm not making a statement or a judgment about online gaming. I play a lot of Lemmings and Uh-oh. Tetris. I love Tetris. But anyway, it feels like there's, there's always something in life that is going to grab us, and grab us pretty hard. It's the next exam. It's the next box set. It's the next food shop. It's the next day off. What, whatever it is, there will always be something, even today, Oh, that's going to grab my attention. That's going to be the thing that, without us realising, slightly uh, uh, consumes our, our affection. And, and Romans 12 says, I plead with you. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all, all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviour or the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's it's the whole of our lives. It's not just a singing thing, it's not just a church thing, it's not just a Sunday thing. Therefore, how we are during the week, how we live, how we spend our time, how we spend our money the people we hang out with, the places we go, affects our worship. And it actually affects our Sunday worship. Because sometimes we can come together on a Sunday and and we may find, this isn't always the reason, but we may find it's like, I didn't really get anything out of that. That was quite dry. Well, firstly we're not supposed to necessarily get anything out of it that's the overflow of his grace it's about him but sometimes it can feel like it just takes a bit of warming up of course it does because we may have been distant from the obedience and intimacy of the father all week when i when i was growing up i used to go to this church because i had to some of you will have been there also i I had a few mates there and it was like it it was for me it was like a social thing i was just catching up with these guys and outside of the times and the singing and the talk that i'll be honest was just frankly fairly boring um it was kind of okay because i was seeing my mates, so the time it was worth a sacrifice of the talk and the worship to to get to hang out with these guys but the worship I don't think we'd have even called it that. It, it was just like a time to endure. You know, you're like, I'm just getting through this thing. And I used to sit at the back and they had a balcony and I'd sit on the back row on the edge uh, in the balcony pretty much every time I ever went. And I, was, I would look back and I was like, I was the furthest from accountability that was possible. You weren't gonna be able to stop me being distracted. So I could tell you now that the building we met in had 3,420 something roof tiles. Now, it wasn't the case of just counting one line and another line and multiplying it up because the lines weren't straight. So you kind of had to divide the room into sections and count them block by block, counting each tile and then piece the whole wider picture together. And then to check that you would write and you'd landed on the right number to reaffirm the number that you'd got before, you kind of had to do two or three samples, which took you a couple of weeks to pull it off. (laughs) What's wrong with you, Paul? I think you get my point. Worship, for me, was just endured. It was like, really? I'm distracted. I'll count roof tiles. Of course it was. Because during the week, I was miles from him my heart, my attitudes, my behavior, my mindset was miles from him. So we'd come together on a Sunday. For me, it was a social club. I was kind of paying my dues. Have you ever felt that? It's like, I'm going just to pay my my dues. I was like duty-bound. I was just going through the motions. It was such a dry thing. It was a religious thing. So I have to be here because that's my religion. That's what we do on Sunday mornings. I miss football and we count roof tiles. You know, some, some of that as well was a choice, I think. Some of it was also because nobody actually told me it could be different. What, what happens when we're alone with Jesus determines how intimate and deep the worship is when we come together. Let me say that again because I think it's really important. What happens when we're alone with Jesus determines how intimate and deep the worship is when we come together. Because the posture of our hearts throughout the week affects our worship collectively. If we're doing stuff, if we're saying stuff during the week that isn't worship, that's going to affect our corporate worship when we come together. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. God is with us when we dwell on the things of God, when we spend our time on the ways of God, constantly refining ourselves in his furnace, constantly seeking out his ways. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. As we seek him out, as we learn his ways, he shows us how to live and how to stay close to him and how close he is to us. To receive God's guidance, Solomon says we've got to seek God's will in all we do. In all we do. This means kind of turning over every area of our lives to him. About a thousand years later, Jesus emphasized the same truth. Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and you will have everything you need. my, My invitation to you, would be examined we've got to examine our values examine our priorities what is important to us in what areas have we not acknowledged him as ruler as lord as savior you may already acknowledge god in many areas of li- your life but there's areas where all of us attempt to resist it or ignore it or we cause him grief by abandoning all that he has for us I'd I'd encourage you, make him a vital part of your everything, everything you do. Then he will guide you because you will be working to accomplish his plans and purposes and your worship will reflect that. Because living that way is worship. It's the the Roman 12 version of worship that I spoke of earlier. I plead with you. I plead with you. I beg you. I long for you. I petition you. I exhort you. I encourage you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he finds acceptable. This truly is the way to worship him. Is the way we live, worship Jesus? Have we given our body in worship to him? Or do we give it to the idols, to the pools, to the attractions, to the things that consume us in the world? You know, if if you're watching porn every day, you'll find that you feel distant from God when we come together like this. Of course you will. Because you're grieving the spirit of God. Can I, Ah, oh, this is probably dangerous, but can I just stray from the line slightly? Some of you may be like, Paul, how dare you? You have no right or place to speak into this. Well, I'm not trying to offend you, but sometimes I think by offending the mind, you can reveal the heart and I'm trying to invite you into more. I see our culture currently gripped by stuff. It is just latching onto us, and it affects our worship. So let me give you a broad brushstroke. This is one example of which there could be many. There may not even be the right one, but here's one. I've never seen it, and I don't actually really know. I think there'll be multiple similar examples, but my reflection this week writing this was, you know with Love Island, Is that helpful? Should that actually be called Sex Island? I'm guessing because I dare say it's built around the principle of a fast-paced relationship. People living fairly edgy, daring to dip in and out of physical relationships, seeking to bear a bit of flesh on TV because that's what's causing more and more people to continue to watch it and long for it. If, if, if you watch it, I'm not judging you. In fact, actually, I have no idea, to be honest. I might be totally wrong. I've never seen it. I'm not trying to offend you. I don't even latch on to that as the thing I'm sharing. What I want to do this morning is just jolt us for us to say, hang on a minute. What happens when we're alone with Jesus determines how intimate and deep the worship will be when we come together. Philippians Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. That's the filter. That draws us into the presence of God and the worship of God. We want the peace of God. We want the presence of God among the people of God. Because he is holy, and he calls us to be holy. Holy really just means set apart. He's set apart. I, I don't want to be counting roof tiles. I want to be experiencing and worshiping Jesus and the joy and the transformation of his presence and the foundation of that starts with how I live and surrender in obedience throughout the week because it matters what I watch, it matters what I say, it matters how I talk, it matters how I spend my free time. There is there's no other substitute the ultimate reality of worshipping Jesus. Any other substitute cannot fully satisfy. They really only give a false intimacy and, and leave to enslavement and addictions. But when we worship God, we become more like him. And when we become more like him, we fulfill the ultimate purpose for which we are created. You know, if if, if in this moment, through what, some of what I've just shared, if, if you hear Condemnation, please don't hear that. That's not what I'm trying to say. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to set us free. But it may be the Spirit is convicting you. I've never once, and I never, I hope, will, written a talk based on a person. I don't think, oh, who's going to be there? I wonder if I can get them with that thing. Never done it. Never will. It's not helpful. But how many of you have said, afterwards sometimes, that was like, you wrote that for me. The Spirit of God speaking to you. That often would be one of those moments. I think that's just the Spirit. He convicts us. He speaks to us. I think we would all do well to hold up a mirror and say, what are the things in my life that restrict the free-flowing beauty of His presence in our lives? Often, as we're singing, Our intimacy with the Father causes us to meditate, to reflect on our relationship with Jesus. Then sometimes what can happen is we recall stuff. Stuff comes to mind because we become aware of His holiness. God might call to mind a disharmony. He might call to mind a failure in a certain area of our lives that leads to a confession of sin. Again, if you hear condemnation, please don't. Rather see... I believe Jesus offering you freedom. Because often tears can flow in worship as we have a release and a sense and a realization and understanding almost just a foretaste, just a taste, not the full taste, but a foretaste, just a f- nano fraction of his presence among us. And we start to see our disharmony and we see his harmony. And we start to see our limitations, but we see his unlimited possibilities. It's the overflow of worship that leads into our week and is lived out through our worship throughout the week that then flows back as we come together into times like this and we celebrate, we celebrate who the Father is and what he does among us. I think potentially those two points may-ish make sense to you. If you're clock-watching final point coming into land, it's like loading the dishwasher. If 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 you think I've lost it, worship is nothing like loading the dishwasher. I kind of agree, but here's here's my analogy. When you go into somebody's house for a meal, and you don't really know them, you ever found it's just? I mean, it's it's good, but it just feels a bit kind of. I don't know. You like you've been polite. You're not just going through the motions but you've been nice and it's not quite as comfortable as it could be and you can kind of see one day what it might be but you've been polite. Now, you don't really do that much at all. You may do but I often find like, it's all on the host. I'm just there and trying to be polite. And you know, maybe you might be the kind of person who after the meal you might take your glass into the kitchen or something like that but you don't, you don't really do a lot more than that because it's seen as that's not really what you do on the first time. But if you go back for a meal again, you might have a slightly deeper relationship. You might help clear the table. You might even join in and help load the dishwasher. Now, the dynamic of how you relate to that person has shifted and shifted quite significantly. I don't, I don't know if you've ever found that. It might not be the dishwasher. Don't get caught up on that. But I wonder if that as an analogy overall hangs true. As relationship and trust grows, there's, there's a natural overflow of participation. There's, there's more of a shared ownership. There's more of a, a common ground. Is It's kind of right that that happens, I would say, because it, give, it gives you a place and, a, and an ownership. It gives you a, a, a place not just to be hosted, but a place to serve and a place to build and form relationship, and actually when you do it, you, you kind of, it's is, is kind of a way of saying thank you to your host, it kind of pleases them to participate. They're not like, oh, sit down and do nothing. They're like, yeah, be part of this with me. Now, I would say when you come here on a Sunday, we've, we've tried to do a similar thing. We've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to come. It's why we give out a welcome sheet as you walk in. There's some stuff on it, I think, that would be really helpful for you you some of the stuff that's going on but if nothing else it just gives you something to hold and cling to when you don't really know anyone else you you feel you've got something and the toilet is not the only space where you feel safe because you can go and hide because you don't know anyone else i i feel like holding on to the welcome sheet is like turning up at someone's house that you don't know that very well and you, you're going for a meal and you're just clinging on to the flowers or the bottle of wine or whatever it's like you're, it's like a safety net and after a while In these environments, you might get to know a few people. Hopefully, the welcome team are kind of welcoming. That's what the team's for. But hopefully, everybody's welcoming because we're a family in that respect. We all want to be honest and welcoming. But after a while, to really get the best out of relationships, to get the best out of all that is going on, we'd love you to move from being a guest to a host. Now, some of you, that happens week one. is like, well, yeah, 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 I'm good that. For, for some of you, you need a few weeks. What I want to say is you might need a few weeks, but there's no reason for you to wait. Come and join in. Come and start to load the dishwasher. Join the team. You're invited to get involved here. Come and serve. Come and take ownership. Come and create places and spaces for others and for people to belong and explore Jesus. Join the team, it's it's really how we belong. It's how we get to know others. It's also part of our worship because Jesus taught us to serve, not just be served. I'd say generally with, with, with some worship, I'd say exactly the same. Can I invite you to come and load the dishwasher? Now I know I'm stretching the analogy too far now, but load the dishwasher, what am I on about? Worship isn't just an act or an event. It's a lived life. And you're invited into that. And I want to encourage you into the fullness of it. For all of us, there's an invitation into more, whether you feel it or not, whether you are aware of it or not, whether you get something out of it or not. It's not for us. It's for him. But we have to intentionally choose to abandon ourselves and to, to our own fleshly interests, whatever they might be, allowing ourselves and others to freely express our feelings towards God, which is quite honestly a place many of us in current culture would very rarely go ourselves naturally. Most of us are conditioned by society on what behaviour is normal or appropriate, particularly in a public setting. For example, for me, growing up, was, it was just counting roof tiles. I didn't know what worship was word worship in the bible i didn't know actually it means bodily expression there's a bowing there's a giving of our everything the father gave everything for me and he asks of me everything in return you know it may be helpful to reflect as a young new i think pascal mentioned earlier that we celebrate our third birthday soon we're a young new church plant there is there is a there's a season where we're getting to know each other. It may seem we all know each other really well, we're not, we don't, we're getting to know each other. There's a safety and a trust and a comfort in committed community. It's why we would constantly say commit to a small group, join a small group, have a place to be known and to to belong because we're on a journey together, to walk into a room like this and not feel the safety and the trust and the community of shared relationship alters how we worship because worship flows out of community a community that are on a journey seeking and hungering after the plans and the purposes of god i'd i'd say the father is looking and longing for us all to give all of our heart all of our mind all of our body and all of our strength to him this this isn't this isn't a music thing musically I couldn't lead a thing actually no I couldn't lead a thing I could play Mary Had a Little Lamb on the trumpet and the piano but that's another story but I, ca- I, can, I can barely clap in time but I love Jesus and I will express that to him with everything within me for, for some of you actually you are musically gifted let, let me say this Leading worship, I think, sometimes can be seen as a pinnacle. It's like the thing to to achieve. That's worship. It's it's like the 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 thing to chase, the 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 thing to go after. We've we've honestly we've never looked for that. We've we've looked for hearts that love Jesus. If if you can't worship Jesus at the back, you, it's going to be very difficult for you to lead at the front. Do, do you see what I mean? It's it's a, it's a question we get asked quite regularly. How do I get involved in worship? I'm not trying to belittle that. I'm not trying to lessen that. I'm not trying to say that shouldn't be a thing and what the gifting God has put on you shouldn't be something you pursue. But my default response to most people is join the car parking team. L- leading worship is a heart thing. It's a, it's a character thing more than a musical thing. Now, that, that may sound harsh, but what I'm really saying is is be part of a growing community. Join a small group, give financially, come regularly on a Sunday, join a team, live a life of worship where no one else sees. That's the kind of worship that the Father is asking of all of us. Playing an instrument and all that comes with that comes out of a position of a heart posture. You know, as I, as I, as I finish, when we come into the throne room and we worship, we we find great treasure in his presence. It's almost like we see and we uncover this massive treasure chest in his presence and these priceless gifts are in that chest. Faith, hope, love, perseverance, affirmation, identity. It's it's readily available to us as we seek him and as we sit and dwell in his presence, what the Holy Spirit does is he just drops them into our pockets, into our coat pockets, jeans pockets, these priceless little jewels. And as we leave, God is really just asking us to do a simple thing, give away freely what I've given to you, to others. And as we do that job faithfully, then all we have to do is keep making a return trip to the Cheser Trust, to the place of abundance, to the throne room, where we just keep waiting and walking into further treasure as we worship we build his throne as we worship, as we praise, his, his presence dwells among us. Let me stand here. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.